Welcome to Special One Cards Podcast, a weekly podcast on the soccer market, soccer cards. We talk about prospects, we talk about products, and we look at some data to help you make some buying decisions for the future. Hosted by me, Paulo, on a weekly basis. Look for special guests occasionally. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram, at Special One Cards. Looking forward to interacting with all of you. Welcome, 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 episode 31. I'm not going to count the episode that I ran on Sunday. For those that listened to that quick 8-10 minute episode, you did hear me talk about the PWCC auction. I'll go into that during today's episode. As always, thank you for joining. This is Paolo uh, with Special One Cards, uh, episode 31. So exciting. We're coming kind of towards the tail end of the season here. Wanted to remind you if you do like this episode, if you do like this podcast or this episode, for example, uh, make sure you share it on your uh, social media platforms. Uh, trying to continue to grow the audience here. If you are not following me yet on Instagram, it's at Special One Cards. I also do have a Twitter with the same name, but I don't really use it very much. Uh, Instagram is really kind of my platform. Um, Given the time and how life works, it's hard to do multiple platforms, but um, we may be expanding into that role at some point. Um, looking also further down the road, um, we are going to launch, I am going to launch a website um, for my content, kind of uh, as another platform and vehicle for people to kind of look at some different things and uh, understand um, the soccer market, soccer, co- soccer collecting a little bit more. So make sure you are following me on Instagram at special one cards, special O N E cards. Um, I really appreciate those follows. Um, quick housekeeping. Uh, we still are trying to fill that break. Thank you again, everybody who has already joined. Um, if you have not paid yet, make sure you do make that payment that reserves your spot. Uh, essentially, um, hoping, uh, to run that within the next one to two weeks, week and a half, maybe. Uh, I want to give it a little more time before I go to whatnot and, you know, get gouged with fees. So really want to kind of try to fill that uh, in an organic uh, fashion. It's 35 bucks. It includes uh, four different boxes. It includes a um, museum from last year, uh, Chrome year with Bellingham Pedri rookies. It includes a Chrome box from last year as well. And they tops finest from last year as well. So four box break, um, 35 bucks a spot. Or um, if you buy two, you'll get it for 65. And that already includes the shipping and everything. So, you know, um, I don't break very often when I do. I only do it because I can get good, decent prices on the product to pass on the savings to you. So let me know. Shoot me a DM on Instagram. We'll get you in there. I'll send you the link for the form to fill out um, to reserve your spot. And then the payment information will be in there as well. So again, I appreciate everybody that has uh, signed up uh, and is looking forward to it. You know, again, thank you for being patient. I don't like to rush to fill these things. Obviously, when they fill, it's great. Uh, And I understand with all the other product that's out there right now, people are uh, kind of chasing and, and buying that stuff, which kind of leads into the discussion of uh, whether to wait on new product and or buy new product as it comes out. Um, you know, I think in that perspective, it's it's always kind of difficult to, to really kind of um, make that choice. You don't want to miss out. It's the old FOMO, right? Fear of missing out on something new and exciting. Um, I know I'm the same way. If I see a blaster of a new product at Target or Walmart, I'm buying it just to check it out. Uh, and then likewise, if I can uh, actually access a hobby boxes, 
I'll try to at that point too as well if the price is right. Um, you got to make the prices right. And I'm starting to even shift into, um, you know, I love ripping, but I really kind of starting to shift more into kind of some singles uh, buying uh, in terms of some of the product that's come out thus far, the, like La Liga and uh, Serie A Select. It's kind of a limited run product, very low print runs on those. So there is, you know, Wax, I think Serie A is about 650 a box right now. So it kind of uh, makes it difficult to justify spending that kind of money on a hobby box when you could just buy a bunch of singles that you want and need. Uh, and obviously the big chase in there is uh, Special K from uh, Napoli. Um, so, um, you know, take that into consideration when you are um, buying your wax and uh, whether it's new or not or whether you need more time. So that was a little rant. But uh, on today's episode, a few different things. We're going to cover some um, of the... The Champions League final, right? We're going to cover the um, Europa League final, which used to be the uh, UEFA Cup uh, tournament. Um, so we'll cover those two, kind of a little preview of uh, maybe some predictions for me, maybe not, uh, or maybe just a, a high-level observation from it, uh, since those are those games are next week. UEFA Cup, excuse me, Europa, <laughs> Europa League is... Uh, next Wednesday, I believe, is that game. And then we have our Champions League uh, final on the weekend to begin June. So season is coming to a close. Um, so we're going to cover that. We're going to talk a little bit about um, uh, today's kind of uh, rookie and uh, deep dive, I guess we could call it. Um, I'm going over to the Bundesliga. I have a few players to look at uh, and to consider if you've never heard of them. Uh, there are, I think I have three or four players, uh, maybe three that I specifically kind of looked at that I thought were kind of intriguing opportunities um, for the hobby. I don't uh, spend a lot of time on the Bundesliga. I do watch it, uh, but I don't spend a lot of time collecting it. So uh, that's just me being transparent here. Um, so we'll cover that. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the PWCC uh, kind of acquisition from Fanatics, uh, kind of go over what happened, uh, why, uh, if you didn't listen to the kind of breaking news podcast over the weekend, I'll give you kind of a, uh, a summary version of it um, to discuss a little bit about that. Um, and then we also have a special guest today. Uh, we're going to have Zips Cards. He is a uh, person that I met in the hobby probably two years ago, maybe. Uh, met at a show. Uh, we've kept in touch. Um, I bought some things from him before, not a ton, uh, but we kind of bounce ideas off of each other quite a bit. And he's going to kind of uh, introduce himself and and talk about what he's up to uh, and what he's doing in the hobby uh, as of now. So pretty good episode. Uh, so stay tuned for the episode. Uh, we're going to be uh, covering all that subject matter going forward. Um, and, um, you know, the other thing I want to kind of mention is with the Season kind of winding down. I haven't decided yet if I'm going to take a break after the Champions League final or not um, for the summer. Um, given I've almost had a year with this podcast now, and I'm very thankful for all of you that have followed me um, on the podcast, um, on Instagram. On Instagram, I finally hit over 2,000 subscribers, which is cool. It might not be a big deal to some people, but uh, to me it is. Uh, it's a big deal. It's all been done kind of organically. Um in a fashion that I don't think other uh, soccer people are kind of looking at things the way I look at things uh, from the perspective I'm looking at it. So I try to kind of um, individual individualize myself. I know I have the kind of the running joke that I'm the best soccer podcast in the world um, just because 
it's kind of a friendly rivalry. Uh, I don't have the same uh, audience as some of the others, but, um, you know, we'll get there in time. It's all about patience and kind of continuing to develop, develop content that both benefits you. And personally for me, I do enjoy kind of breaking down various things for everybody uh, and how my mind works and what my mind thinks. Uh, one of the things that I will explain after kind of uh, this first season, I'm going to call it, of podcasting, everything I talk about is a uh, transparent and it's my view and my perspective. It's not influenced by anybody else. Um, I'm coming to this with kind of my observations. And, and in some cases, sometimes I get some really good DMs from all of you that kind of bring and shed light for me to kind of think in a different perspective. So I encourage that because I think that's what helps the hobby grow is when we think together, we can grow together. So think about that uh, going forward, but i um, not sure yet if I'm going to be taking um, some time off uh, in the summer uh, with the baby, obviously uh, we're trying, we're waiting for his passport to get overseas uh, to see my parents. They haven't met him yet. Uh, they are, they'll be here during the holidays, but we want to kind of get there before they come over for the holidays so that they can meet them um, before that, obviously. So yeah, I haven't really decided yet what I'm going to do, be doing. Uh, I know the soccer market kind of dies in the summer a little bit, uh, given what's going on. We may have a busy summer this year with transfers, so we'll see what happens. All right, so let's talk about the, if you've been living under a rock, uh, PWCC was acquired, uh, was announced, I believe, on Monday um, by Fanatics. Uh, interesting move by Fanatics. Uh, I've seen a lot of chatter online. Regarding this, I even saw a news article that was written uh, and covered by various personalities in the hobby discussing kind of what went wrong at PWCC, um, capital infusions, uh, loans, etc. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm going to be a little egotistical right now. Uh, I broke that news on Sunday on my podcast in the early morning hours. And I kind of explained it in a post um, as well. I also explained uh, on that kind of breaking news podcast exactly what probably may have happened. And it seems like that was the case uh, at the height of the market, maybe in 2022. Maybe that wasn't the height, but um, PwC ventured into start to to starting to loan capital on cards in people's vaults. And what happened, obviously, the market crashed. Uh, people decided they weren't going to pay their loans. Um, and PWCC, because the collateral that they used were the cards, took a bath on some of those cards. So, you know, the example I gave was if you bought an Mbappe for $1,000, example, uh, let's say you bought a Prism Rookie for 1000 bucks, uh, and I'm not going to use real numbers here, but we're going to just use examples, right? And let's say you needed a loan for 700 bucks, or you actually needed, you wanted a loan against that card. PWCC, uh, I'd like to think that they, maybe they only lent on 60 to 70%, but it's probably higher uh, based on what I've seen, kind of the history. So you have a $1,000 Mbappe card. They lend you, um, let's say, 600 bucks, 60% uh, of the value. All right, so that gives you 600 bucks. They go and buy other cards. You buy other cards at $600, etc. Market crashes, drops quite a bit, obviously, like everything else in the economy. And what happens? That collector decides, well, I got $600 worth of other cards. I don't care about that Mbappe. They can take it. Uh, I don't need it. Whatever. Um, because there is an actual kind of, let's say, um, uh, credit 
type of situation where they use a credit score, um, not like housing where there's credit score implications and there's collateral in a house. Let's say if you're buying a house, they just take the card and that's what it is. Very similar kind of, but, but they didn't use obviously credit kind of, they use the cards as kind of the single kind of layer of collateral. So that happens. Uh, PWCC is now out, let's say 600 bucks on the card. Card value is probably now two or three hundred dollars, so there's a gap there. There's probably a three to four hundred dollar kind of uh, missing capital on one card. And as as those things start to kind of add up, and I guarantee that that happened multiple times over, PWCC found themselves in a cash constraint. So because if they had to liquidate those cards, they were taking losses not only on the loan, but they're also taking losses on those cards. So it's kind of a two prong effect uh, there. So. You know, I talked about that kind of the loan to value uh, when you talk about the housing market, uh, the 0809 crash, very similar uh, money was lent uh, for home buyers at 100 to 110% financing of a home value. Uh, economy went south, people lost their jobs, they couldn't make their mortgage payments. What happens? Uh, housing decreases the value on a house that let's say a bank lent 100% financing on it and the value in the house is about 70%. Well, the bank's got to foreclose. They got to try to recover as much money as they can, but ultimately they take losses. And we saw banks kind of uh, crash. You know, Bank of America was one of them that got saved by the government at that point in time. So same thing in cards, really. Uh, same idea, um, but bigger ramifications when you're talking kind of a niche market. Because sports cards are a niche market. It's not a huge market as we think it might be because we're in the hobby. Um, it is a growing market, but it isn't like, let's say, a housing market where it kind of... Um, bulldozer bulldozers through kind of everybody that has having a hard time with the economy so that's kind of a a synopsis of probably what happened there so fanatics coming in and myself uh, i've kind of uh, i was really frustrated uh with the situation uh given i had sold a card uh to somebody on there and um they hadn't shipped it for 16 days it finally got shipped on monday i don't know what happened um hockey the guys at uh, Gong Show, the hockey podcast, uh, they reached out when I tagged them uh, in my post. I think it was later last week. Uh, they generally kind of, I guess, may have helped me. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, but if they did, thank you. Um, but they were the only ones to really reach out. Uh, and that bothers me in some capacity. Not those guys so much. I understand they're sponsored by PWCC. But there are other influencers where I did tag them. Um, and subsequently one of them blocked me. Uh, I don't think he just like, didn't like me kind of, um, calling him out or, or whatever the case may be. Um, I'm not even going to name his name. Uh, but, uh, you probably know who it is. Uh, but you know, my, uh, and I wasn't trying to single him out, but, uh, in some cases I am, uh, because, uh, we hear the term for the hobby thrown out quite a bit. Um, and people, not only myself was in that situation. I have another card there that doesn't ship. That's going to somebody else. Good thing. I'm good friends with that person and he's okay with waiting. So um, the other thing was, uh, you know, I didn't get paid uh, last week. It's only 85 bucks, but it didn't hit my account. Uh, hasn't hit my account to, to this day. It's Wednesday uh, and it is uh, May 24th. So it's been over a week now, generally that money hits your account uh, the Wednesday or Thursday after. So maybe I'll hit tomorrow, maybe I'll hit later today, but um, which was concerning to me. I feel a little more at ease now with Fanatics having taken over, um, giving them that capital infusion that they might need. 
and kind of trying to uh, lay the groundwork again to build a strong foundation uh, and work on their customer service. So hopefully that does happen. I have not gotten any replies to any emails I've sent those guys either, which is a little concerning. I've sent, I think, nine emails to uh, PWCC with no responses as of yet. So um, be patient. This isn't, let's say, pandemic times where there isn't enough staff. I'm sure there is. And there's, they, they laid off a lot of people. Obviously, they probably have a staff issue. So that was part of probably their kind of um, selling, the, selling the business, right? Being acquired by Fanatics was kind of cutting, cutting jobs, um, maybe trying to um, decrease their, their P&Ls, uh, show a bigger kind of profit versus the losses that may have, they may have cur- uh, incurred during this period of time. So, I mean, that's a discussion for another day. It's not even really a discussion anymore. It's over. Fanatics has acquired them. I'm pretty optimistic about it. I think it's a good idea. A lot of people have been kind of questioning the fact that they think Fanatics is turning into a monopoly. Um, based on our antitrust laws in the United States, it is not turning into a monopoly. It's not even close to a monopoly. Um, acquiring PWCC for Fanatics is a basically a uh, portal for them to have a vault and kind of a live auction house okay obviously fanatics probably looked at the asset being pwcc and considered the fact that well what's it going to cost us to build our own platform our auction platform build our own vault storage or should we go in and acquire these guys at kind of a um, clearance price because i imagine the price was not that high hasn't been disclosed for that business model. And I do like PWCC's auction structure and I like their vaulting process, et cetera. So I think it's back to business as usual there. I think Fanatics is probably gonna take a look at it, maybe rebrand some things um, and obviously try to improve the customer service. That'll be a big uh, kind of move going forward for those guys. So, you know, essentially um, I do like the move. I think it helps uh, in terms of how it interacts with Fanatics Live. Think about that for a second. You have Fanatics Live, which will be their breaking platform. You get a card or you get cards in a break. You can send them to your vault automatically. You don't even have to have them shipped to you to handle. You can just have them sent there. You can verify them once they get to the vault because uh, they do upload scans of those cards. Um, so you know, essentially they're there, you can have them shipped to you. And I believe their model is basically if you have cards shipped or if you have them placed in the vault, if you have them shipped within three months, they charge you kind of a, a fee. Uh, it's probably like a 1% fee, something like that. I don't even know what it is exactly, but generally if you leave them for three months, I'm pretty sure they ship them to you for free uh, or you got to just pay for the shipping, not the, um, the vaulting fees. So, um, Good. Uh, you know, we'd love to hear your thoughts on kind of what you guys think. Uh, but by no means is this a uh, a monopoly. Uh, where it gets interesting is if if Fanatics gets into the let's say grading game, that's where I may have a problem with it, where we may have a conflict of interest. But we've also seen, um, you know, PSA and Golden with collectors acquiring Golden. Um, we haven't really seen a conflict of interest there, uh, and. Who knows? We may have, we may have, and I just didn't see it. Uh, but uh, if Fanatics kind of goes that route, then we may have an issue. But I imagine they probably stay out of that, or maybe they try to acquire somebody. I'm not sure uh, what they'll do. Um, but I think for me, if I'm at Fanatics, I don't care about the grading part of it. I've got the distribution set up. 
I've got the printing facilities. I've got an auction house now. I can go direct to consumer. That's the big thing. People forget that uh, Nike kind of did the same thing, and I never really heard people complain much about it. Nike kind of cut out some of the larger sneaker boutiques in the world uh, and said, we're no longer distributing to you guys. Uh, you're no longer going to be a Nike tier zero, tier one account. We're going to go direct to consumer, and that happened. Uh, they did keep on some of the bigger names um, because they want to or they have that relationship. So the other aspect too, the other example I've used is uh, when people talk about monopolies, um, you know, that that word gets thrown around a lot with fanatics. But if you look at like New Era, for example, where the official on-field cap provider of Major League Baseball, they're the only cap that's on-field. Um, would you consider that a monopoly? Absolutely not. They just have an exclusive deal. So I think it's far off. It's a reach to call the fanatics acquisition of PWCC um, a uh, a monopoly. So that's just my thoughts. Now, spinning it back for those guys that always talk about for the hobby. My problem was essentially that if people are asking you for help and you're sponsored by that uh, particular organization, I would imagine if it was me uh, and if I was sponsored uh, by PWCC, I would certainly try to help the collectors because that's being for the hobby. What would that mean? It could mean just not talking about PWCC on your show for a week. I don't know. Or, in fact, trying to reach out and help out a collector's, uh, as Gong Show did with me. Uh, they, you know, he had told me they messaged him, and they had asked him to tell me to message them back. So, whatever. Case closed, done. Um, I don't even want to go into it. Uh, that particular individual already blocked me on Instagram as well, too. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I'm not as obviously influential or have the audience that you might have. Um, but uh, I'll take that block as kind of a, um, I don't want to deal with you. I just want to collect my paycheck from from PWCC and my sponsorship dollars and leave it at that. So, but that's it. I don't want to be too negative and keep drilling to that point. Um but I just think it's funny. It makes it look you. It makes yourself. And if you're listening, you're probably not listening to me anyways. But it makes yourself look foolish, even more, um, especially when people reached out to me and said that they did the same thing and reaching out to you and they never heard anything from you. So it is what it is. Um, but that's it on that front uh, in terms of PWCC uh, and fanatics and how that uh, relationship or that acquisition kind of grows or changes the hobby. We'll see. All right, like last week, I kind of, as I had stated before, I wanted to do kind of a deep dive or a uh, look at some of the leagues and look for particular players that could present an opportunity going forward. And this week, we're going to look at the Bundesliga a little bit. I have three players I kind of identified that might present an opportunity for people uh, going forward through the summer, uh, possible transfer windows, possible growth for them as players, uh, possible further development for them at their teams. Um, and hopefully uh, with some of these guys, uh, when I looked at them, I tried to find guys that I've seen and watched uh, in guys that are uh, particularly interesting to me, right, uh, in terms of maybe not having the kind of notoriety the hobby uh, requires. But um, let's start with um, 
uh, Ritsu uh, Doan, 24-year-old Japanese right winger. He plays for Freiburg. Um, excellent player. Uh, 32 games this year. He's got five goals and six assists. He scored twice at the World Cup. Um, you know, he Doan, uh, he possesses great creativity on the ball and can be extremely dangerous on the counterattack. He is an excellent 1v1 player. But um, like some of these wingers, they do need some work on their passing. And I think he can basically uh, become a better player uh, once he kind of completes that task and works on it. Uh, and one of the things that drew me to this player, obviously, having watched him a few times, particularly at the World Cup, I did see him score twice there. And then I watched him a little more uh, in the Bundesliga uh, after that. But he... Um, for a winger, he works really hard uh, defensively, um, which is a very honorable quality in, in today's game as being a winger. Uh, you look at some of, I looked at some of his analytics and I saw like blocked shots was a category that he really excels in. So really kind of excited about this player. The other aspect of it is, and this might be my biased biases, he's been rumored to be a Benfica target as well. So uh, we'll see. I think if he goes to Benfica, that passing ability probably improves quite a bit. Uh, given their academy and, and their coaching setup and the way they kind of uh, uh, revolutionize or have players evolve at that system. So, all right. So he, unfortunately for him, I believe in my research, he only has a Tops Now Bundesliga rookie card. Uh, it's card number 56 out of 2021. Uh, and what's interesting about this card because the tops now really doesn't carry much weight uh, in the hobby, uh, depending on who it is. You know, the Hollands have, obviously. But what's interesting about his card, it's only got a print run of 122. He is Japanese, which is uh, a positive, because I think the Japanese fan base is very, very active in the soccer market, and they, they're always excited about their players. So uh, take a look at him. Uh, potentially could be an opportunity there especially if his tops now is, and I haven't looked at his, the pricing on those, but those tops now cards, I think are relatively low risk with a high reward because of that print run. So take a look at those cards. Next player is um, a Wolfsburg player. Uh, the, he's a 20 year old Polish international left winger, Jacob Kaminsky, uh, 32 games this year. He's got four goals and three assists. Uh, he started twice at the world cup this past year, has tremendous pace, ball control, He's an excellent dribbler and has great technique. Uh, not many weaknesses to talk about with uh, Kaminsky, but in terms of, of his athleticism, that's kind of the little knock he's gotten from uh, some of the soccer circles uh, throughout the world um, is his athleticism. Uh, just not a prototypical athlete like some other wingers, but he really does make up for it with his uh, creativity and intelligence uh, on the ball and, and how he plays that position. So, um you know, he's got really good quality in terms of everything else. Um, but, uh, again, uh, something that he – athleticism is hard to kind of overcome. But I think he's got the tools to really kind of continue to develop and be an, an excellent player. And he's one of the – he's younger. He's 20 years old, so that's exciting. Uh, represents Poland as well, who's an up-and-coming team on the world level, in my estimation, given their talent pool. Uh, Robert, It's too bad for Robert Lewandowski kind of at towards the end of his career – doesn't have some of these players earlier in his career to kind of make those runs. Uh, but um, his rookie card you'll find is in last year's World Cup Prism. It's card number 165. Take a look at those. You know how many parallels there are. There are tons of them. So uh, that's a guy to really kind of uh, take a look at and explore uh, as, as a possible 
player you might want to invest in. Now, the next player I want to kind of, and I use the word loosely investment because, you know, I don't really, uh, I hate using those terms, but I understand a lot of people do that. Um, you know, that's what you do. You flip. Uh, I do that too, obviously, with some cards that kind of fund the PC things, but I hate using that term, but it is what it is. And that's just the market we are in uh, and how it works. It's an alternative asset. So next player, French International, um, who plays for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, you know, he's 22, plays a central midfield, Manu Kone. Um, and if I pronounce his name incorrectly, I apologize. I obviously chastised people before uh, for pronouncing Portuguese players' names, but so uh, I apologize. But in 30 games this year, she's got one goal, one assist. Uh, not huge numbers, but his potential is incredible in my eyes. He is... Uh, a versatile uh, central midfielder that can basically play both a defensive midfield role and an attacking midfield role. Has tremendous frenetic movement. Uh, for He's a player that I think when I've watched him, um, he's better on the in the attacking mode. Um, and I believe he's probably suited uh, being a higher number than a number six on a team. So generally he's been playing that kind of role there. Tremendous movement off the ball, like I said, uh, with the ball. Uh, high, he's highly intelligent. His short passing ability is basically perfect, uh, which means um, he doesn't miss uh, when he's making those precision passes that are short, uh, short base passes. He does need to work on some of his uh, longer passes, uh, but you know that'll get there obviously with improving technique and things of that nature. He is, uh, he's big, uh, athletic, uh, great speed, great agility, um, and he's just an imposing figure on the field. He's a big guy. Uh, you know, you talk about, you, you look at Yaya Torre, guys like that from the past, the Pogba, big, big player, um, you know, uh, physically, height-wise, etc. Just an incredible, I guess you could call him an incredible specimen for that, uh, for the position he plays. But, um you know, to give you kind of a uh, good comparison analysis for him, think of uh, N'Golo Kante at uh, Chelsea, but this guy's big, uh, so he's a big player. But he has um, he has a 21-22 Tops Finest rookie, which is card number 18, and he's got a 21-22 Tops Chrome rookie, which is card number 78. Now, I've seen some listings on eBay. Um it's a little more riskier than some of the other guys. I think a lot of there's a lot of teams watching uh, Manu. Uh, a lot of the bigger teams, United, obviously, kind of the usual suspects: Chelsea, you know, Liverpool, teams of that nature. Um, just an imposing player, uh, really can command the game. He's got tremendous upside. So take a look at his cards. Might be somebody interesting to look at um, going forward. But that kind of wraps up uh, our kind of Bundesliga three guys I want to look at. I, I try to look at more, but I want to kind of narrow it down to three to five players each week for each league that I think could be potentially good kind of investments that have actual cards, um, including on this list when I first talked about uh, Ritsu Doan, the Japanese player, having only a tops now. It's kind of a, a really good opportunity because his print runs only 122. So you know, start to think about those things and look at some of these players. Do your own work, though. Don't expect kind of uh, me to do it for you. I think that's important um, to take a look and try to analyze it yourself. Uh, 
do your eye test, watch some games, go back and see if you can find some games on demand or something that you can watch and see how they do. So um, next week I'm going to either be covering um, La Liga or Serie A. So stay tuned for that. Uh, and I'll probably be in those picks because those products just came out. You're going to see some players that I haven't really talked about on my Instagram uh, because I'm trying to like avoid doing that before people stack up cards that I want. Um, so Hopefully I can snag these cards up and then it can become public knowledge of what I've kind of bought and who I'm covering for you guys to look at. So stay tuned for that next week. So I wanted to try to preview the Europa League final and the Champions League final, but I think I'm going to hold off on the Champions League final until next week's podcast episode. I'd rather kind of talk about the... Europa League final that'll be held on Wednesday uh, next week, a week from today, right? Um, so that is exciting. Uh, for those that don't know, that game is on, and depending on your time zone, I believe it's on the 31st. Uh, let me just confirm. I could have sworn it was either the 30th or 31st, but I think it's the 31st. It's the Wednesday. Yep, 31st, 3 o'clock p.m. East Coast, if you are in my time zone. So, Sevilla Roma uh, bookmakers right now have Sevilla as a slight favorite uh, for the game um, that is being played in Budapest in Hungary at the Puskas Arena. Uh, nice location too for a game. Um, so Sevilla Roma, uh, some interesting storyline storylines here. Uh, you have Sevilla who has never ever lost a. Uh, UEFA uh, League or Europa League final. Um, as you, as I've said before, the Europa League became the Europa League named after it was called the UEFA Cup or the UEFA League uh, back in the day. Um, and then you have, on the other side, you have Roma, who has never won a European Cup until last year when Jose Mourinho took them to um, winning the confederations cup right um of uh uefa so kind of a third tier uh, in terms of the totem pole for europe but now he's got them in the europa league final jose as you know has never ever lost a european final impressive uh track record uh you may recall at porto he won again before it was called the europa league um uefa cup in 03 then 04 with porto he won the champions league so back to back there um in terms of european titles for porto he then won the champions league with inter who had not won that title in i think it was 40 or 45 years something of that nature he then went to united uh, won the Europa League there, and then finally uh, his fifth title with Roma was last year. So um, pretty impressive uh, in terms of his record in European finals at this point. Uh, again, the debate continues, who's the best in the world. Um, a lot of uh, criticism last week on Fabrio, F Fabrizio's uh, post on Mourinho going to the final. A lot of negative connotation there. Well, the way he played... Um, the way Mourinho's team played Roma in at Leverkusen was disgusting. But listen, this is a business, right? Your job depends on results, just like your everyday job does. If you're not producing, you don't get paid, you don't have a job, you're let go. And this is 
this is how it goes. The name of the game is to win. You remember winners, you don't remember losers. All right. So, you know, going back, I started to kind of think about this. I'm like, I remember Porto winning 2004 as champions. Like, I do remember that, but a lot of people can't name who they played in that final. Uh, and I remember because I was watching with high anticipation because the Portuguese team had made it that far on. Uh, that Porto team was, uh, they had 2 million total in, in salaries, I believe. Think about that. That's kind of, that's ridiculous. Um, and then, you know, it always comes up, Jose versus Pep, who's better? Uh, you know, from my estimation, they're both great coaches. They're both kind of elite. Uh, Carlo Ancelotti, I don't want to exclude him. Those three guys to me are the best of this generation. What I think separates Mourinho from from those two is the fact that Mourinho has been able to do this with teams that uh, don't have or win European titles with teams that don't have the budget to do so. Uh, Roma last year, this year he's got them in the finals, but even with all those injuries, uh, Porto 104, like I said, they had a $2 million kind of uh, salary Um total salaries on that team again a lot of the players on that team did move on the likes of deco the likes of ricardo carvalho the likes of paulo ferreira those two went to chelsea manish uh who else was on that team you had a benny mccarthy at the time that was a fantastic player really an excellent core group of players but they were players that weren't well known around the world later on obviously people figured out how good they really were but um you know, it's going to be interesting. Something's got to give here, right? Either Mourinho loses first or Sevilla loses their first uh, European final. But I'm going to touch back on kind of um, the slandering of Mourinho's not good. People are not going to remember him. People remember winners. Let's face it. You don't remember losers. Uh, when Chelsea won't beat uh, City a few years ago, you remember Chelsea beating them. We don't remember City losing, you know. Um, yes, it is uh, vital to play or it is nice to have nice – football played but where does that get you it gets you nowhere uh look at marcel biesa uh where did that get him nowhere he's got no job oh he's got a job i think he's coaching uruguay now but um playing beautiful football doesn't always account to um you know uh winning mentality or um you know it's kind of i think it's part of the culture we live in now really uh where we want to recognize everybody for participating and, and getting kind of awards or trophies for whatever they do. So, you know, needless to say, and I look at my Bifika in the same light because they play outstanding football, but I don't care that they play outstanding football. I would have much preferred them to have beaten Inter and gone on to play AC Milan, do whatever they got to do to win to get to the finals, right? Um, and, you know... Just is what it is. Uh, name of the game is results. Uh, people remember winners. They don't remember losers. So that's kind of my two cents on that. But that game is going to be interesting because we have, you know, uh, again, like I said, I want to shine all the light on Jose because I'm a big Jose supporter. But, you know, you have two teams that um, they're talented teams. Are they the most talented? No. Obviously, Sevilla, I think, is sixth in the in La Liga. And I think even now with the Juve uh, docking of points coming through, which was an interesting kind of time for them to announce that. Uh, Syria, uh, I think Rome is actually 6-2, but they're battling. But this is their only way really into the Champions League, I think. I don't think um, Rome has got a chance to place in the top uh, four in Italy to get into the Champions League or three. I don't even know what the coefficient is there right now. but um, So they win the Europa League, they're in automatically. So that's a huge piece. So Mourinho can concentrate on that. He can kind of get away from the league and not worry about the league too much um 
for Mourinho, you're looking at a team that's experienced. Uh, they have uh, some younger guys, uh, not a ton of them. They have a lot of older guys. This team is built on kind of the veteran leadership players that, uh, you know, Rui Patricio brings out leadership. Um, you have uh, uh, Gianluca Mancini, another guy with quite a bit of, of leadership and, um brian cristante uh who else i think uh spinazola he's 25 now but um you know they're led by uh paul dibala who's been kind of uh a little injured as of late uh this year he's got you know he's played in um i want to say 24 games he's got kind of had an up and down year in terms of injuries and and whatnot but 11 goals six assists uh very productive. Tambri Abraham has had the same year like last year, eight goals, three assists um, in 36 games. So be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, Stefan Elshar always been uh, pretty good for them too. Lorenzo Pellegrini, another player that's a uh, pretty decent player. Spinazzola, um, you have a young, talented player who I really like to watch. Um, Nikola Zalewski, the Polish international there, who's got a goal and an assist this year. Um, really coming into his own. So it'll be interesting to see how Roma comes into this game and then come into the game healthy. Because like I said, they had to go to Leverkusen with some injuries and they had to play it a certain way to win the game. And that was kind of what they had to do. With Sevilla, on the other side, you've got uh, an interesting crop of players as well. Um, you know, not dominated by kind of young players, dominated by some guys that are kind of veterans and have some experience, like I Ivan Rakitic, obviously, uh, played very well for them, has for uh, quite a bit of time. You may recall he started there before he went to Barcelona many years ago. Uh, Yusuf uh, and Nasseri um, having a fantastic year. Um, you know, in La Liga, he's got 18 goals and 25 games played. Uh, Rafa Mir has been good for them too. Uh, Lamella, former uh, Mourinho player, um, another guy that's kind of no stranger to the uh, um, world football and, and Jose Mourinho. Um, I really like um, Villarreal. I mean, Villarreal, Sevilla. Um, they're just these teams match up really well. Um, Jesus, Jesus Navas, uh, another guy right back, former Real Madrid player, started at Sevilla too. Uh, a guy that at, at the time I think that was oh nine or oh ten that was highly touted, uh, and I think Real Madrid at the time paid like thirty million for him, but never really became much of anything. But um, decent little player. Um, but I think this is going to be a really good game. Um, I'm actually surprised Sevilla is kind of the favorite, but that could be because of potential injuries. Very narrow favorite, not nothing huge to worry about. I'm obviously rooting for Jose Mourinho, um, but we want to see a good game, right? That's kind of our stance here. But if Mourinho can win, man, what 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 a what a what a great job he he's done. There's rumors that he's going to PSG. I don't know. So we'll see what happens with this game. This game is going to be, I think it's going to be really entertaining to watch, to see these two teams that match up very well with each other. Um, but my pick is, I think Roma wins here. I think we have a close game, uh, maybe a 2-1 a game uh, in extra time or some of, something like that. Um, so we'll see. Uh, hopefully you guys will enjoy that game. Um, but the Europa League this year, I think, has been, uh, you know, both shocking. Uh, it's been um fun to watch um you know uh and uh you know this is a good way to close it out you have kind of the this going on and then you know the weekend after we have that champions league final so 
it'll be exciting. Um, so let me know what you guys think. Who's going to win that game? I'm, I'm rooting for Roma, obviously, and I think Roma can do it. I think the experience from Mourinho coaching-wise will significantly help them. Not to say that uh, Sevilla's kind of coaching um, won't, won't be on full display because certainly will. They've been very good in uh, these finals, um, and they are well-coached. They're a well-coached team. We saw the way they played against... Um, Juventus, right? Uh, José Luis Mendelbar is is a very good coach as well. Uh, coaches extremely well disciplined teams. Just has a knack for um, for playing really well. Uh, you know, went to United, beat them, uh, eliminated them, eliminated eliminated some good teams. So we'll see what happens. I'm obviously rooting for, like I said, Roma. Let's go, Jose. Let's get another title. That would be six for him. Six and zero in European finals. Thank you for listening to another episode of Special One Cards. Join us again next week. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Special One Cards. DM me any questions, concerns, hobby rants, or experiences you've had at shows online. Something for us to kind of talk about a little bit more. Again, thank you for the support. I really do appreciate it.